0: everyone today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you. We are thrilled to have you in service with us today. And uh, if you're a dad and you missed the little token of appreciation on your way in, make sure you get that before you leave. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be watching from Pray that God blesses you in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse number 55. Luke 22, beginning with verse. 55 this the context of this chapter is Jesus has been taken away it's in the process that's going to lead up to his crucifixion so this is following him this is following the account in the garden where he's taken away where Peter takes out a sword or grabs a sword and cuts off the ear of one of those that had come to take Jesus away. Jesus puts the ear back on, and this is, this is following all of that. Verse number 55, says, When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said this man was also with him. And he denied him saying woman I know him not. And for a little while another saw and after a little while another saw him and said thou art also of them and Peter said man I am not. And about the space of one hour after another about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean there's another I think it's in the book of John where it says your speech gives you away and Peter said man I know not what thou sayest." and immediately in, in the other passage it says he Swore, he cursed that he didn't know him. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew, and again, for those of you that may not be familiar with this passage, Jesus had told Peter that he would deny him. In fact, he said, before the cock crows three times in the morning, you will deny him. And so immediately after that third time, the cock crew And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Brother Larry Praskus, it's great to see you. Brother Larry's been going through some serious health issues, and we're so thrilled to see him again. I, uh, I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to use that term because I don't know if this is going to be preaching or not. And this may be one of the oddest Father's Day messages, titles that I've ever used. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning about the blessing of regret. The blessing of of regret. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this occasion to be together in your presence. Thank you for this day in which we set aside to honor our fathers. Thank you for your blessings, your grace and mercy in our lives. I pray, God, today that you would speak to our hearts that you would give us ears that are open to hear and receive what you would desire to say and i pray god especially for our fathers that are here today and i pray for every man every young man that may yet to be a father but desires to be one one day that this word would find good ground in every heart prophet us in the name of Jesus. I trust you today. I depend on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read one other passage to you. It comes from the Old Testament, and it's 1 Samuel chapter 24. And again, to give you a little bit of a context here, David has Already been anointed to be the next king of Israel, and Saul is now very jealous of David he now sees David as his enemy he has he has his army out searching to find David um, and I suppose in essence to find David and just to kill him to get rid of him so that the threat would not be there anymore, and so David, in the process of running for his life, is, he's hiding out in a cave, and it just so happens, <laughs> you got to question Saul's army on this one, but it just so happens that Saul chooses to spend the night in the same cave. Where David and his men are hiding out and they are completely unaware of it. In fact, they're so unaware of it that what David does, they, they don't even know it. I I somebody was not on duty watching out. Because David's men, and, and this is a whole nother, could be a whole nother message, but David's men began to advise him and say, look, God has put Saul into your hands. God has delivered him. Here is your chance to take his life. And so, thankfully, David did not follow that advice, but what he did was he took his sword and he cut off a portion of Saul's robe. And then, a little later, he uses that to... To show Saul, you know, you think I'm such a bad guy and I'm your enemy. I I could have. I was close enough to you that I could have taken your life. It's interesting because David did not do anything that physically harmed Saul. Not only did he not kill him, he, he didn't even do anything that physically harmed him other than cutting a piece of that robe off. And so that's the context of these verses in 1 Samuel 24 in verse number 1. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats And he came to the sheepcoats, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him, as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. Can Can I... Segue again, just to to tell you that not every opportunity that looks like a great opportunity is from God. Just because it appears to be a good opportunity does not mean God is the one that's orchestrating it. Thankfully, again, David recognized that in this scenario. Verse 5, it came to pass afterward. That David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He had cut off a part of his robe. That after David did this to Saul, again, just simply cutting off a piece of his garment, causing no harm directly to Saul, David's heart smote him. In essence, I think what Peter did when he went out and wept bitterly after denying Jesus three times and what is described here as David's heart smiting him really is 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 in essence some regret it's regret over choices decisions that were made and 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 in in Peter's case that's a it's a pretty major thing i mean you you're denying the one you've spent 3 years with you're denying the one you've been a committed follower to and 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 in David's case really from from a natural perspective we could argue that it really wasn't that big of a deal what he did but Peter went out and wept bitterly and David's heart immediately smote him. Can I tell you this morning, and whatever gender you are, whatever, whether you're a parent or not, not just to the fathers, I don't, I don't mean this next statement flippantly. I don't mean whatever gender you've chosen to be. I mean whatever gender you are as decided by God. But if you're here today, and especially as adults, if you're here today, and you are living without regrets, it can only be because you are living without expectations. I told you I'm going to talk because I, I I'm, I'm. I, this is, this is one of those one of those mornings where, to the best of my ability, how God speaks to me, I've heard God speak. But it's also one of those days that I don't have confidence in where all it's going. So, If you're living without regrets, then you, you, you have to be living without expectations. Or you're living with very low expectations. And, and, and I think we view, most of the time, we view regrets as, as a negative. I've heard a statement in various ways, in fact I think one of the first times I ever heard some form of the statement was, was from you, Brother Mott, but this is kind of another twist on, on a statement, some of you probably heard this in a little bit different way, but every strength has a shadow, every weakness has a shield. Some form of the other is every strength has a backside weakness, and every weakness has a backside or a flip side strength. But every strength has a shadow, every weakness has a shield, and I I think there are some things in life, there are some emotions especially, that we have a tendency to put in one category or the other, but... I'm here to tell you today that regret is a God-created feeling. It's a God-created response, but the, the challenge is, do we let it do what it's positively able to do? I know everybody here has a basic idea of what regret is, but... Amy Somerville is a professor in social psychology at Miami University in Ohio where she studies regret. In simple terms, she says, regret is feeling bad because things could have been better if we had done something differently in the past. It's a central part of decision making and how we feel about the choices we make And Amy says, by some estimates, it's the most common negative emotion that people feel in their daily lives. Unless you are just absolutely have your brain turned off, there's a really good chance that already in the last few moments of hearing the word, it has triggered some thoughts. That are your regrets. She goes on to say whether it's triggered by an experimental haircut. My philosophy on a haircut is expect the worst, hope for the best. And the good thing is give it a couple days and it'll grow back out. An experimental haircut Being unfaithful, and needless to say, I'm reading from a non-Christian statement here. Or drinking too much the night before. The only regret Christians should have about drinking too much the night before is how many times they have to get up to go to the bathroom. Just saying. Regret involves what Amy calls counterfactual thoughts. You're having to construct how the world might be different under some other set of circumstances. So how would your life be different right now if you had decided to go to medical school instead of pursuing the the career that you did? Whatever the cause, regret can sit within us for hours, days, years, or haunt us forever. Most of the time, the things I teach, preach, are birthed out of things I'm going through, things God's talking to me about, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I guess a little bit of this message this morning has come from that, because Brother Bar, I've found myself over the last several months, especially probably... I, I would say going back to last year when Esther and Jalen got married is where I've really found myself. Since then, I've I've found myself rethinking about my my fatherhood. I can say thankfully that uh, there's no doubt in my mind. My 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 kids love me, uh, respect me, and and. Uh, Based on cards I've received and other things, they, they, I, I feel like they think I've been a pretty good dad. But you see, the other problem with not being willing to face regret is you will settle. I'm in it. i got to finish it. Unless I just dismiss you with, oh my goodness. If you're not willing to face some regrets, then you're going to settle for less than who you can be and what you can be. I've I found myself over the last several months thinking, trying to think back. I, I've never had the greatest of memories to begin with, but this, uh, you know, getting older thing, I'm starting to like some of the excuses that come with getting older and some of the side effects there was something apparently that was making a noise in our house over the last several 48 hours that was driving my wife crazy. I never never heard it. She finally determined it was the uh it was the uh, smoke detector in our kitchen area, and I got up on a chair to pull it down and never heard it. She's like, you need to go to the doctor and get some help. Why? You've been miserable the last 24, 48 hours from this noise. I am clueless of it. So I, I, I back to the memory thing. I've never had the best of memories, but it seems to be becoming more of a challenge. And and, and, and I, I, I'm trying... To think back, did I? Was I as present of a father as I could have been, as I should have been? Was I as engaged and interactive? And, and I feel like where my kids are and the lives they're living, is, is it gives me consolation that I, I did something right. But I can tell you, Brother Isaac, I've been thinking back through some things and realizing I probably could have done even better. But I can't go back and redo. But I think here's one of the bottom line blessings of regret, if you will allow it to become that, is while I can't go back and undo, I can be challenged and motivated to be and to become. So if I didn't get it all right when they were three and four and eight and nine, rather than just living under the regret of what could have been better, what I could have done better, I can allow that to become a motivation to be the best I can be now. I'm going to get there in a few moments. The problem is, if we don't properly process a regret, then it becomes a negative thing. If all we do is get bogged down in the the negative side of it, but if we would allow it to challenge us, some of you today sit here as adults living with the regret of of not having a good father, not coming from a solid. Strong, healthy family. Now, Here's part of the problem is you can't live. I'm trying to remind myself. I told you I was just going to talk to you this morning. <laughs> you can't live out of fear of not being what somebody else was i It doesn't make sense to me it does not i I cannot comprehend it from a from an intellectual standpoint, but it is a proven fact that it can be that, that 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 the the children of alcoholics become that the children of abusers become you you on one hand, you would think if anybody in the world would never repeat those, it was those who lived through that. And in fact, what, what happens for those people? What do they say? I will never be. I will never do that. And yet they do because they're living out of, they're living out of bitterness. Bitterness will lead you to do things you promised yourself you would never do. Bitterness will lead you to become something you thought you would never be. And here's another problem with bitterness. You do not determine which areas of your life it affects and which it does not affect. Bitterness does not just affect you in the area of the bitterness. It affects every aspect of your life it affects how you perceive things in every part of your life pastor i didn't come here for a psychological message this morning i didn't come to give you a psychological message i haven't come to give you a psychological speech the bottom line is there's so many things that have become viewed as natural principles and ideas that ultimately they get their basis in the word of god they become humanistic. They've become perverted. But the ultimate, I mean, just in, business, in the business world alone, there are so many business principles today that ultimately can find their source in the Scripture. Leadership principles. So if you live out of, out of anger and hate and resentment, that will drive you to become... It's like the analogy I've used many times and will use many times more in the future, I'm sure, that most of you here probably have no real relation to. Sister Mickey, you can understand this one. But if you're, if you're playing golf and you're about to hit a shot and there's some kind of trouble, water, trees, sand, and if you've got to hit over that, If you stand there and tell yourself, don't hit the ball in the water. Especially as an amateur, (laughs) nine times out of ten, you're going to hit the ball in the water. You say, that doesn't make sense. But they say that the way your brain processes it, your brain does not hear the don't. Oh, hallelujah. The brain does not process the don't, it processes the do. So instead of your brain hearing, don't hit the ball in the water your brain hears hit the ball in the water and so then what happens is your body tenses up and rather than swinging with a confident swing because you know i don't i can hit this ball and it not go in the water your body responds out of fear and you hit the ball in the water so it is with life if i'm living based on the fear of not becoming what i don't want to become my mind is saying become So the goal is not to live motivated by what you don't want to be but the goal is to live motivated by the mark Paul said it this way forgetting those things which are behind and I'm I'm kind of on the fence in the context of this message that I don't think we should necessarily forget everything because it's in remembering things and letting them impact us the right way that they can motivate us for the future. And Paul said, forgetting what's behind, I press towards the mark. Paul didn't say... Based on what is behind me, I'm trying to get away from my past. He says, I'm forgetting that and I'm focusing on. An article titled, The Power of Regret. Dan Pink claims... Regret is not dangerous or abnormal, a deviation from the steady path to happiness. It is not a deviation. It is healthy and universal, an integral part of being human. Regret is also valuable. It clarifies, it instructs, done right, It needn't drag us down, it can lift us up. Rather than it dragging us down and discouraging and depressing us, our regrets can actually lift us up. Motivate us that I don't have to continue being that or... I don't have to make that mistake again. Or the the fact that I came from some kind of negative circumstances doesn't mean I've got to cause my kids to live in the same kind of world. Anyone who says they have no regrets is in denial. Anyone that says you have no regrets is in denial. It is very human to make poor choices and regret them. We also make good choices that we should celebrate. Poor choices do derail our hopefully steady path to happiness. When we do make poor choices and feel regret... It is Pink's wish that we deal with it constructively to make better decisions, perform better at work and school, and bring greater meaning to your life. The power of regret is a path to a better and more intentional life. Anybody today thankful for God's forgiveness in your life? Anybody thankful for the power of the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins and make you completely clean. It doesn't matter what you've done, how bad it is, the blood of Jesus can take it away. The blood of Jesus can wash you and make you clean. And God is willing to forgive of God's willing to to forgive the worst of sins the most terrible of crimes that may have been committed, if that person is willing to repent, God is willing to forgive. But but here is is the challenge that we live with. There is a promise in the Scripture, and there's a couple of different ways we can find it, but there is a promise in Scripture where our sins, when God forgives us, He completely forgives forgets about them. One way the scripture says it is that he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Another way he says it is that he, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our sins. You know why he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? Where's the East Pole? Where's the West Pole? There's not one. If you got in an airplane that had an infinite, supply, an infinite supply of fuel, you can only fly north so long. Because you will reach a point at which you now begin to fly south. But if you get in an airplane with an infinite supply of fuel and start flying east, when will you start flying west? You can fly east as long as you've got enough fuel for you to fly. You will never start flying west. So what God is saying is, I remove your sins so far from me. there's There's not even a point at which they are. But here's the problem that you and I have to deal with on a regular basis. While there is a promise that God forgets, which is amazing that it's the one who has the ability to know and remember everything. The one that knows our very thoughts. We put a lot of weight into, into uh, non-verbal communication. I mean... Let somebody look at you with a scowl on their face, and we almost automatically begin to go down. Well, you know, what's their problem with me? Or man, they're having a bad day. They might have indigestion. Their stomach might be bothering them, and they just happen to look at you the moment they were feeling the pain. The flip side is somebody can walk up to you, shake your hand with the biggest smile on your on their face. And they may be cussing you out in their head. I'm not talking about anybody here. Back to that. I'm talking, so I'm just going to keep talking. Back to that bitterness thing. Let me, show, let me give you a really good indicator if you've got some kind of bitterness working. Come to church and let somebody, somebody you know, not necessarily, but somebody you know, let them walk right by you without saying anything. And immediately, if you got bitterness, I knew. See, I knew they had a problem with me. I knew they were. I knew there was something going on. Yeah, I. I they don't want. I, uh, 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 uh. I mean, we discount the the fact that the Bible says, "He that hath friends must first show him self friendly." Of course, it's always everybody's responsibility to let me know we're good. But the flip side is, when 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 you're free from any of that, let somebody walk right by and you. All you well, I guess they're busy. They must have something. They must. So so so, I digress. Let me get back to the. There's no place that promises us, number one, I don't know of anything in Scripture that promises us that the devil forgets when God forgives. In fact, I think there's evidence to demonstrate otherwise. (laughs) Because how many of you today have had the enemy, you things you know you've repented of, but you've had the enemy bring them back to your mind, especially at just the moment when you were trying to focus the most you know, I mean, those of you that have ever preached, it's often those times where he just happens to show up and say, what do you think you're doing here? Don't you remember? And then the other one that there is no mention will forget when you repent is the person you look at in the mirror. Which is part of the reason why we often struggle with feeling like and believing God has truly forgiven us because we still remember and the devil seems to remember. And because we remember, we repent over and over and over. I've heard, I heard my dad use this and you have too decades ago, and I've used it many times, but it's it's basically like this, if you commit a sin and you go to God and you genuinely repent, He forgives you, and, and you feel better in that moment, but you go away and it starts to bother you some more, and you're starting to feel a little bit of condemnation and guilt, and the enemy is trying to, to, to bother you with that, and so you, you feel like, man, I, I guess I need to repent again, so this time you go back to God and you say, God, I, I just want you to know I'm sorry for... what. what. What I did such in God said, what are you talking about? Well, you know, God, the other day when I, you know, I smacked that person when I was mad and I shouldn't have. (laughs) God said, I I don't know what you're talking about. Because unless, oh man, I should know by now what I think is the, where I'm going or whatever is never the. (laughs) The only reason you need to worry about Man, I don't know why I'm on this bitterness thing. The only reason you need to worry about God not forgiving you of what you've done is if you are holding something against someone else. Because according to the principles, the way I understand it in Scripture, the one thing... That will cause God to take back forgiveness of what He's already forgiven you for is when you are choosing to not forgive someone else. So the fact that you may be going back again feeling like you need to repent again might also be another evidence that maybe I've got some bitterness and unforgiveness because I feel like my sins have not been forgiven. Well, maybe they are now not forgiven because you are not forgiving others. So there is this balance we have to learn to live with, the blessing of the fact that when I repent, God forgets. But I also still have to live with the fact that I don't forget. That's, to me, the, 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 the spiritual purpose of scars. Is there any adult in this room right now that doesn't have some kind of scar on one of your hands? Every one of us, at least. And and the problem with those scars is, I don't know about you, but every time I see it or I feel it, it is almost an instantaneous reminder. Some of you probably never heard my Heroic story before, so let me just share it with you quickly. I'm sitting on the couch drinking a cup of coffee. This was in the probably 93, 94, somewhere in there. And I thought, I wonder how many fingers. I can fit in the handle of the coffee cup. I mean, So I begin to push these two fingers and my middle finger into the handle of the coffee cup, and all of a sudden, the handle just pops off, and so my hand slides across the jagged edge that's left. How do you get a cut on the couch drinking coffee? We were living in Harwood at that point in time. And so we, that was back in the day before you didn't have all these nighttime pediatrics and all that stuff. It was the ER or nothing else. And so we, we stopped at the fire department in Edgewater. And from the time we left the house in Harwood to Edgewater, I'm trying to think about what kind of story. I mean, I'll repent when I get done. But what kind of story am I gonna t- can I tell these firefighters to sound better than the fact? How'd you what'd you do? I was sitting on the couch drinking my coffee. It's it's right there. But you know what, there is another way to look at scars. Because scars are actually a reminder of what you made it through. But I know they can be reminders of negative things, and so if I will let them, I need to learn to live with the balance of the fact, am I forgiven? Yes. Does God remember what I've done? No. But there is a healthy sense of allowing that to motivate me for my future. Oh man, hopefully next year will be a cool, fun Father's Day message. Hindsight creates regret or what is termed counterfactual thinking. If only I. Finding what you can be thankful for in the situation could have turned out, if the situation could have turned out worse than it did, gratitude can lead to the thought, at least, at least, don't alter your behavior or boost our performance in the future, but they do help us reassess the present. I I think... And I've said this several times in the last several months. I've actually really been saying it a good bit going back to 2020. As bad as things may be, as difficult as things may be collectively or individually in my life, I can find things to be thankful for. I can easily find others who have it worse than I do. But the problem is if we're not careful, we can get into an at least mentality, and so then it doesn't motivate us to change. I mean, no matter how you mess up, if you, at the end of the day, you can lay down and say, well, at least I didn't kill anybody today. I mean, I guess that can soothe your conscience. But consoling yourself with the fact that you didn't kill anybody, you just cussed somebody out, is really not going to help you. There is value to letting in the proper way. The mistakes and the failures of the past adjust my present and my future. I don't want to. I, I I beg of you. It this is, it's always been the case. I find it seemingly more and more ways the older I get that I, I don't want to just take all my stuff and make it your stuff. But we all go through some. We, there are some things we most of us go through that are somewhat similar. And 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 I think it's easy. I'm finding it's really tempting. At at the point I am at now in life, age wise, it's it could be very tempting just to think, you know what, I'm just gonna put it on cruise. I am what I am. The bottom line is, as I've been somewhat teaching on Thursday nights the last several weeks. There's always room to grow and improve, and I believe by the grace of God, it's never too late. There may be a few situations where it essentially is, but most of the time, it's really not too late. We just don't want to go through the effort. We we just don't want to face the challenges of having to work on and work through, so we can just settle into a... Survival mode. I read on. Regret, again, and I believe this is actually a book. I've never read it. I'm just reading this article. The power of regret. Regret can deepen meaning. Sometimes asking ourselves what if can lead us to a greater appreciation of what we did or didn't do. Conducting a midlife review focused on regrets can prompt us to revise our life goals and aim to live fresh. You know, that, that firstborn club is a tough club to be in. Oh, there are no firstborn. I thought I'd get a couple of amens. Nobody else firstborns here today. That, that firstborn club is a challenging club to be in. I know the middle child one is not the easiest. And that other one, don't even talk to me about that. I don't want to hear one baby complaining. I realize that's not a fair statement, but I mean, the, man, the firstborns, you're, you are the experiment. And, and as the experiment, you are also the first one to use to show the world that all of you others have gotten this parenting thing wrong. So if you will now watch me, we will show you how to do it and what a model child is. And then the next one comes along, and you're like, man, I I don't know, but we're not giving up hope that you're still going to be the model, so we're going to still keep you under wraps while we kind of... I'm not talking about personal experiences. I'm talking hypothetically. I mean, the other thing is, uh, it is it's amazing, anybody... I, I know when I, I, man Elizabeth, she would drop her pacifier, and man we we needed clorox and bleach and oh my God, we gotta clean that thing <sighs> probably it was still mm, sort of like that with Esther by the time Timothy came along, that thing fell on the ground, had dirt on it, picked it up. Spit it out, popped it in his mouth. (laughs) Elizabeth went to bed every night in very wonderful pajamas, very, you know. Nathaniel's like, dude, you got a onesie on, man. You got some clothes. Put him in the bed. Why was I getting on all of that? I must be having some therapy right now. There was a reason. Maybe if I get back up here, it'll help me with the reason. I have no idea. I mean, I guess I could just keep venting for a few moments. Maybe that'll remind me. Yeah. My my parents, man, I... (laughs) I, was trying, we had, I, I wanted Nikes. I needed Nikes for basketball season. My dad's like, son, you're, you're a growing boy. It's a waste of money to buy you Nikes. We're going to Tom McCann. Anybody remember Tom McCann? Or Kenny's. I think it was actually Kenny's. Kenny's Shoe Store. Kenny's Shoe Store had a pair of tennis shoes that had four stripes. So if you didn't look real close, somebody might have thought, hey, he's got Adidas on. I hope you don't look close. I don't have Adidas. I got my Kenny shoes on. My first pair of Nikes I got when I was like mid-teens, and it was because two of my friends decided they would split the price of buying me a pair of Nikes. Don't get me wrong. I had shoes. I had new shoes. They just. My brother was born wearing Air Jordans. I couldn't get them because I was a growing boy. I've been the same size since I was 11 years old. He goes from four feet to seven feet in a matter of a year and a half. and New shoes, new shoes, Nikes, Nikes, Nikes. Hence the reason why when our kids come along, I ain't buying you, nope, nope. I got to pay somebody back for what I didn't have. <laughs> I'm just, I really am just kidding because my parents were, I say were, they still are. Morton. Man, there was, I still don't know it, so I guess I should move on. There really was a reason for that. Oh, well. So I read on not knowing what the point of that was. Sometimes making ourselves what if can lead us to a greater appreciation of what we did or didn't do. Conducting a midlife review focused on regrets can prompt us to revise our life goals and aim to live afresh. But as Pink observed, and if the media team will get ready here in just a moment, but as Pink observes, we often don't handle our regrets properly. The feelings surrounding regret can be handled in three ways. Ignore them, overindulge them, or think about them. It has to do with our philosophy on what feelings are for. If we think feelings should just be ignored and dismissed, we just delay facing the emotions we have locked up inside. I think one of the biggest tragedies is when male or female, young or old, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get emotional. Because if that's the way you're, if that's what you're doing, then you are turning off something that God created. Because emotions were created by God. Now, nobody wants you crying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'll just tell you that right now. But this idea of suppressing, it's a, I, I had someone ask me just a couple of, Within the last week or two, they say, every time I go to pray, all I can do is cry. Is that all right? Is that normal? I'm like, yeah. I mean, there's a variety, to me, there's a variety of reasons why that could be what's going on. But, but that is a God-created thing. And to all the men in the room that have bought into the lie that men, real men, don't cry, I would actually tell you today that real men are willing to express emotions. Don't get me. I, I know men that, man, they, 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 can, they cry, on a re, sincerely cry, genuinely cry on a regular basis, sort of at the drop of the hat. I, I'm not a big crier. I found myself crying more and more the last couple of years. Suppressing that is is not to your advantage If we think that feelings are for feeling to be indulged Then we run the risk of rumination And regurgitating past mistakes that impede growth On the other hand, if we believe feelings are for thinking We face them and use them for improving future behavior Take Take a look at this for a moment I thought this was such a great And I think you could take this and apply this In so many different ways in your life so you have regret so here's the three possible responses one is feeling feeling one response is feeling is for ignoring therefore it leads to delusion I'll post this on realm as well I see some of you taking screenshots if that works great but I'll be happy to share this ignoring the feelings leads to delusion I mean think about that from a natural standpoint If all you ever do is ignore some kind of physical pain you're saying it doesn't exist and it could very well lead to some long-term effects that you can't overcome so so it is emotionally feeling is for ignoring so therefore you become delusional everything's good everything's fine And this 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 uh we have to be at lunch at my parents at 12:45. I hope you don't have anything before then cuz I'm just, you know, I'm taking my time here. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Cause now I don't know what I was about to say. Oh my goodness. How can I do this multiple times in the same message? There must be some serious pride the Lord is trying to work out. So that's two points. I know we're going to be great points. What was I saying? What was I about to say? What was I? Nobody even knows what I was saying. Are y'all done? Y'all checked out? I got, I got it right here, and it's not triggering anything. So maybe it will move on, and it'll trigger. The second feeling is for Feeling problem with that is it leads to despair we just get wrapped up and then replaying the emotions over and over and over and over we lose hopelessness we lose oh i know what it was here we go this marriage thing is a it's a wonderful thing but it's it's crazy to me i don't know why i'm sure it's not this place at anybody else's house but i don't know why right before bedtime is the time that everything goes wrong if we would have had this argument this morning we could have finished it and we could just go to sleep and in one, of the weird, one of the things I hate the most is laying there I shouldn't acknowledge that I've never admitted this I shouldn't admit it now now I've got to be held to this responsibility is laying there in the bed, and my wife is laying on her side of the bed, and everything's, from one perspective, it's normal, it's quiet, but then on the other hand, I'm like, man, I know something is not right.
1: <sighs> uh,
0: something is not in. I've got this wonderful blessing. I can sleep anytime, anywhere, get me still, and I'm gone. So I'm, oh, my goodness, can you leave, please, and not, oh, my word. I'm laying there going, she knows I can't stay awake. So I just fall asleep, maybe... But I know something's not right. I shouldn't be falling asleep, but I really want to go to sleep, but i'm 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 trusting some of y'all aren't laughing at me. I'm trusting some of y'all are laughing with me. Now I remembered what the I was trying to say, but now I don't know why I was going to say it, so. I need to dismiss and send y'all home, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep digging my hole. <laughs> Number 3. Thirdly, and here's the proper response. Think or feeling is for thinking. Thinking is for doing. Better decisions, improved performance, deeper meaning. You can allow, and again, I'm kind of here today first and foremost, but I hesitate to say this because I don't want the rest of you to tune me out. I'm here today with a challenge to our fathers, that whatever season of fatherhood you're in, would you, would you not ignore and deny all the regrets, and would you let them have the proper impact on you, and whatever season you're in, work on fixing them. Work on mending and building relationships. And so, again, I, I, I've found myself a number of times in the last several months, and that number two, when free, uh, feeling is for feeling, and, and, and I find myself going into despair, and I, I find myself starting to second guess everything I've done in the last 25 years of fatherhood. Did I do anything right? Did I? Which we know that's the enemy. But again, instead of tuning all of that out and just burying it, ignoring it as if it doesn't exist. Therefore, I don't change from it. I need to let the blessing of it work. Do you understand God could have designed us in a way that it was not possible to have regret. In fact, the bottom line is, do you realize every negative emotion we may have, God could have easily created us in such a way that He could have. So the bottom line is this, everything God creates, there is a good reason for it, there is good in it. And so while there may be some negative feelings and emotions that we deal with, that we don't enjoy them, if we will allow them to do what is the purpose of them, the outcome, can be very positive. I've used these verses multiple times, and especially in the last couple of Thursday nights, but I will close with them this morning. Behold, First John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, right now, when you are born again in that moment, you become a son of God. And again, in this context, son is not speaking gender specifically. It's, it's of the relationship that we have with God as individuals. The moment you are born again, just like naturally speaking, the moment if you're, if you're a father, you became a father the moment your child was born. They became your son or your daughter the moment. They didn't have to go to any take any classes. They didn't have to go get any certificates. They just were born. The moment you and I are born again, we are in that moment a child of God. That is an amazing thing. Think of the other things that God could have used, the other analogies God could have used that require some kind of work and training and preparation and whatever. But he says, when you're born again, you are in that moment a son of God. Now are we the sons of God, but here's the deal. It does not yet appear what we shall be. So I'm the moment I'm born again, I am now a son of God. But the moment I'm born again, I am not everything God wants me to be. I'm not everything God will make me to be. But if I get caught up in the moment and the past and don't let it do what it's supposed to do, I will despair and I will never become... I'll become delusional that I'm okay, I don't need to grow. Or I'll give up and become hopelessness. Become hopeless. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then this, this third verse is such an encouraging verse. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I'm not, and every one of us can say this today, I am not what I'm going to, by the grace of God, I am not everything I'm going to be. And I pray that for every area of my life. And I I don't, this is not about order of priority and importance. I'm just going to Say several things that I definitely mean that and but, but I pray and hope I'm not everything I'm going to be as a pastor I hope that as time goes on I grow and develop and mature And, and become a better pastor I, I definitely hope and pray that I'm not the husband That I'm ultimately going to be And I pray that I'm not the father That I'm ultimately going to be I pray that I'm not the friend That I'm ultimately going to be I pray that I'm not the brother or sister that I'm old. I pray that there is growth and development that is going to continue. But again, the challenge is that space between what I'm going to be and where I am can become a source of condemnation rather than a source of hope. And then everything. So not only am I not what I want to be, i am going to be, but here is the good news. I think every one of us here today can say, Thank God I am not what I used to be. I may not be as far along as I hope to be and I'm going to get but I can tell you today I'm not what I used to be but by the grace of God when I look back at what I was or what I did or how I messed up rather than just giving up and quitting because it's hopeless I want to allow that to stir up some motivation and some desire that I may have messed it up then or I may have failed there but I still have a future obviously the curse of regret is just causing you to be hopeless and despair and quit and give up there can be a great blessing if you will allow it to work in the way God chose the two stories that I read from you in the beginning Both of those lives demonstrate that while in those moments when Peter and David made their mistakes, they didn't give in to despair and quit. Their hearts were smote. They regretted what they did, but they made adjustments for the future. One of the most memorable times of my life has been the couple of months that my wife and I spent in Africa with Brother and Sister Grossbach, and as many of you know, Brother Grossbach's a pilot and they had a plane, it was such an awesome experience to get to fly a number of times and uh, he he tried to get me to take off and land the plane, and I uh, no. I value my life too much and I don't trust myself. But what he would let me do and what I was more than happy and willing to do is once we got up to cruising altitude, he would let me fly the plane. As Bishop would do, fly the plane. Because I wasn't really truly completely. But I mean, his hands were off the stick and he was... In fact, I think a couple times he dozed off, took a nap. But what I learned was, and really you can use the same thing for driving, but not all of you have flown a plane, so I sound a little bit cooler than some of you. So. But what I learned was it, was it was essentially a constant adjustment. It was a constant adjustment to stay on course. To make sure that we were properly heading. Because if you would have just taken it for granted. You would have gradually. May have been gradually. But you would have gradually gotten off course. Really our lives are the same way. Our Walk with God first and foremost. But the relationships of our lives are the same way. There is a need for continual... I was about to say constant, but I really don't want to say constant. There is a need for continual adjustments. I want you to stand, and I know it's, it's almost noon, and I'm supposed to let you out early because it's a holiday. I want to I want to give an invitation to come to this altar just for a few moments. To first and foremost to the fathers that are here. That again, whatever stage, whatever season. I know many of you here. Your kids are grown. They're adults. They're they're on their own now. But some of you are in that phase of just starting out. We got a couple of brand new babies. Couple of with toddlers and newborns, and so. Whatever phase, and then I'm also going to open this up to those of you that, that may not be a father, but you have a, you have a hope and a desire one day to become that in God's timing. I want to invite you to just come for a few moments and stand to this altar. And make a commitment to the Lord today. Lord, I, first of all, I'm not going to just ignore and discount the regrets in my life. I'm not just going to bury them and act like those things never existed. But Lord, I am committing that I'm going to I'm going to allow those things to be the motivation, the challenge. I'm going to allow those things to cause me to not be to not ever be content. Again, I'm not trying to bore you with my stuff, but but as we as we're transitioning in our household into this new season. I don't, I don't want to just live off the dad I was for the last 20 years. I, I want to learn in this new season. So whatever season you're in or whatever season may be to come, Lord, help me to... I, I don't want to get... I don't want to be in denial of the feelings and be delusional that everything's okay. And then I, I, I don't want to get so caught up in feelings for the sake of feelings that I lose hope and... I, I want to let them do what they're supposed to do in me. So I tell you what, let's do this. And if you guys down front are like me, you don't want to join hands with another man. So, but would you reach over and put a hand on a shoulder, make a connection with each other? And can I ask the rest of you this morning? Would you stretch your hands in the direction of these men of God? Would you pray that God would touch them today? That God would strengthen them. I, I, there's a really good chance. I don't mean this flippantly, but it doesn't really take the gifts of the Spirit to say what I'm about to say. There's a really good chance. There's some of you men standing down here that you're living under. You're living under the curse of regret, and you're living under the negative side of your regrets, but. Would you let the Lord take that today and turn it around and something the enemy has tried to use for so long against you? Would you let the Lord turn that today into a blessing? Father, I pray for your grace and strength upon every one of these men today. Whether they are a father or hope to be a father in the future, God, that... That we would take those things from the past, the things we've been through, and those things, some of them are the things that are the result of our decisions and choices that we made, but then there's those things that we've been through that cause regret that were the result of somebody else's decisions. It wasn't, it wasn't our actions that determined and it, it was what was done, but whatever the source of it is, God, I pray today that you would turn it around become a blessing, not to become a source of depression and hopelessness and discouragement, but I pray that the regrets that you have allowed to come in our lives, God, that you would turn them around and use them for the good. Lord, I know the enemy is so quick to try to use regret against us. He tries to use regrets to weigh us down, to burden us, to cause condemnation and guilt but I pray today that God if we will by your grace allow it to do what it can do it's able to help bring about a turning point a transition in our lives help us today God I pray for every individual not just the men here but I pray for every person in this room today because some degree or other lord this message is not just about a it's not just about fathers it applies to all of us because every one of us today male or female young or old we we've dealt and even are dealing with regrets so i pray today god what the enemy may want to use for evil against us and by your grace you would turn it around and use it for our good in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm not everything I'm going to be. I'm hoping and trusting and praying. I'm not everything I'm going to be, but I also know I, I'm not what I was. So I want to keep becoming more and more like you. I want to keep being a reflection of you more and more in every aspect. Lord, those ways and those areas in my past where I I wasn't matching up, I, I I wasn't achieving the goal, rather than that becoming a source of despair, that it become a source of motivation. That By Your grace, with Your strength, with Your help, my future doesn't have to just be a repeat of my past thanks to the power of Your blood, thanks to the power of Your Spirit, I can have hope in my future no matter what my past has been. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God, praise God. Thank You, Lord. Praise God. God bless You to everyone. Again, thank you for being here today. One more time, we and I honor all of our fathers who are here today. I remind you we will be here this evening. For those that would like to join with us, God bless you. In Jesus' name, you dismissed.